A very interesting episode of AEW Dynamite we're going to go over here on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. We start off with the Casino Battle Royale. The winner will face John Moxley in the main event for a spot at the interim AEW Championship at Forbidden Door against the winner of Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto, which the whole situation is way overthought and convoluted that you know we can spend a whole episode on, but let's focus on the show itself. Kyle O'Reilly ends up winning this thing, last eliminating Wheeler Yuta. To me, Ralph, I felt like the crowd was not into this. And I don't know if it was because they were trying to follow a lot that was going on or they just weren't invested, but they were really invested in Wheeler Yuta nonetheless. And I felt like they could have actually pulled the trigger and let Yuta win, get the rematch against Moxley with Blackpool Combat Club being in the main event. Regal's going to be commentating anyway. I thought that would have been a much better dynamic than what we got with O'Reilly and Moxley instead. No discredit to O'Reilly. He's great, but. I think they missed the ball on this one with with Wheeler Yuta winning. Yeah, I, I think this battle royal left a lot to be desired. I think that there was a lot of anticipation going into this dynamite, even though I do agree. I think that there was a lot of uh, a lot of people who felt like the actual path to the interim championship um, is a little convoluted or maybe even too too convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the first step. I tuned in. I was very excited for Dynamite just to kind of see the direction that this was going to go. Um, I think that one thing that was clearly evident was this this Battle Royal was missing star power. This was missing mm-hmm. credible threats to somebody that could dethrone John Moxley, who's somebody that has one of the most, if not the most protected records as far as a singles division competition, competition is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I like Kyle O'Reilly. I think Kyle O'Reilly is outstanding. Um, I think Wheeler Yuta is one of the most over guys in terms of the AEW uh, in the AEW fan base. But I didn't buy either of those guys. I didn't buy many of the people that were in this battle royal as credible threats to John Moxley. I felt like this was more or less a foregone conclusion. Had it been Wheeler Yuta, even though I felt like that was a foregone conclusion too that Moxley was going to come out on top if it was Yuta that won this it still would have made for a more intriguing storyline. Um, and I think that you saw that reflect in the main event that Kyle O'Reilly, just as good as he is, as great of a wrestler as he is, nobody bought into the fact that they thought he was going to beat John Moxley, unfortunately. Um, and I think that carried over and I think it was very evident from the crowd. Yeah, I totally agree. And when it got to like maybe 10 people left and you see who's in the ring still, you're like, no one's beating Moxley. Like, why did they do this? Just you have a ranking system. Just use the top four guys and do like a tournament with them. But instead, you know, they go about it on this route. And we know why Wardlow didn't partake. Adam Cole supposedly hurt. You know, Hangman has a match later on yeah. in the night. I mean, there and I'm, MJF is MIA after last week. So there's just a lot of, like you said, lack of star power. And it was very well evident. Let's talk about this now, because we're going to get into it throughout our review anyway. Um, Wardlow's explanation is, to me, kind of silly, right? Because he's I, I saying... See a lot of people, I saw a lot of people point this out. I'll let you finish, but here's my, here's my reaction. Or I'll let you finish, 
and I'll give you my yeah. reaction afterwards. My thought is this, an interim champion, usually the first match that you have back or the, one of the title defenses that you have as an interim champion is against the former champion or true champion, however you want to phrase it, whatever. So he mm-hmm. wants to beat CM Punk at 100% and he wants to beat the true champion. Okay, I get that. If you go on and win the interim championship, you'll inev- inevitably be facing CM Punk at some point uh, to unify right. the championship. So um, I think that they overthought that. I think that Wardlow should have been either in the Battle Royal or one of the guys to challenge for that interim title because he's one of the most over guys. He's done, has probably the... Uh, best singles record, whether you want to count that or not, because technically he wasn't a AW employee and all that type of stuff, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, I, I felt like Wardlow should have been taken into consideration and used, whether it was in the Battle Royal, um, because again, what he's going to be doing next week, not all that impressed. And they don't really care too much about it. So. so here's how I think of it. First off, Wardlow should have been in Moxley's spot regardless, because he was the number one ranked wrestler. He won his match last week, did nothing wrong except beat a guy in seconds that he should have beaten in seconds. And because Moxley defeated a guy that gave him more of a challenge, he ends up jumping three guys, which is complete utter bullshit. I don't care if you want to defend that or not. It's absolute bullshit that Moxley jumped three spots for one match. Uh, Second off. Wardlow's explanation is actually really, really good because what he's trying to explain is if he wins the interim championship, he's still an AEW champion and that will be his first title reign. He does not want his first title reign to be labeled as an interim champion. He wants to win his first title. Full gone conclusion. You are the AEW champion, no questions asked. So he's going to wait for CM Punk to come back and beat the AEW world champion. No labels in front of it, like we had with Sammy Guevara, where he was a three-time TNT champion, although one of the times he was an interim champion. He doesn't want that. He wants the first time to be full-gone conclusion, I'm the AEW champion, no questions asked, no loops and whatever. I'm beating CM Punk because he's the champ. So I have no problem with that explanation whatsoever. Well, while I, while I get it at the same time, I, I definitely feel like with, like you said, Wardlow should have been the guy that was at least positioned in, you know, to, to be the number one contender, whatever the case may be. Because again, following the pay-per-view, I said this last week, I don't think they're using Wardlow correctly. I think that he's certainly organically over. Um, the fact that he's going to challenge for the TNT championship, I'm fine with that. When's mm-hmm. that going to happen? Scorpio Sky is supposedly hurt. What's Wardlow doing next week? Oh, he's going to wrestle 20 security guards. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is what we're going to... Could you imagine if after Steve Austin had done uh, stunts, uh, Vince McMahon or whatever, and their, ra- their rated started going through the roof, and the next thing he did was, like, I don't know, <laughs> wrestle security guards. He did a gauntlet match against the corporation. <laughs> he probably did do that. But, you know, <laughs> at least, like, the Stooges, like Briscoe and Patterson, were, were over or known to the fan base. It's like... right. This is the best they're going to do with Wardlow right now. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity for them. I don't like the way he's been used after the pay-per-view. Um, and, you know, hopefully it gets on the right track. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is definitely... And, and going back to the rankings, uh, Tony Khan, I think, tried to explain this as, oh, well, you know, uh, based on who Moxley be, and, you know, it's more credible, and 
since when has there is no criteria for these rankings? They're so right. subjective. Um, they're so arbitrary. We've said it so many times on the show and debunked it a million times. I don't want to see anybody tra- talking about the credibility of these rankings. They're only used when it's convenient, when they're in a position like this, and, and even when they're in a position to try and utilize the rankings to justify a match or something. You they know, still they, mess it they up. still mess it up, you know? So yeah. I don't disagree with Moxley being highly ranked, but um, no, I, I'm not buying it. And listen, we all know the real reason Moxley's going into this match as, you know, going for the interim AEW championship is simply because he is probably the biggest star in AEW. Yeah. And he probably draws the best ratings. And if you're going to put him in the main event right now, Moxley's the better fit than Wardlow. So Obviously, if you know the inner workings or know behind the scenes, whatever, it makes sense. But if I'm just watching it, watching on TV and following these rankings as just a quote unquote casual fan, it just completely is discredited. The way this has to be done and the way that Tony Khan should use these rankings is just use what the NHL does and use a point system. You know, four points for a pay per view win. Three for an AEW Dynamite win, two for a Rampage win, one for a Darker Elevation win. And then if you beat a top five ranked opponent, you get an extra bonus point. If you win a championship, you get an extra two points. Yep. That's it. No convoluting, no jumping guys randomly for no reason. Just go with a point system and it would make it so much easier to just book everything and be like, all right, we need to get this guy to five points. How do we do that? Bam, done. And no questions asked. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. Tony Khan, I fixed your ratings or your (laughs) ranking system right then and there. Go with the NHL point system. I know football and soccer, your quote unquote expertise, but follow hockey once in a while. You'll, you'll thank me in the long run. Uh, Speaking of something that came out of left field and no one thought would happen. We got a new title. In AEW, the All Atlantic Championship. And just to go to show you how things are confusing, the brackets come out, and I think only two countries are represented by countries that actually are bordered by the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, you went <laughs> which, deep into the research with this one. I didn't uh, I didn't go that deep in this. Yeah. Ethan Page, who is from Canada, and Pac, who won against Buddy Murphy in a really good match. Yeah. Is from Great Britain. Everyone else is either inland or bordering the Pacific Ocean. Plus, the belt design is amazing, but there's two country flags that border the Pacific Ocean. So I don't get why it's called the All Atlantic Championship. But basically, what it's priding on is the fact that they are beating WWE in Great Britain, which kudos to them. If they are, that's great that they're beating WWE anywhere, whether it's the United States, Great Britain, Italy. Japan, China, whatever. It's still a great feat. But the naming of the title is weird. What the title represents, I think some people are confused. Is it an IC title? Is it an interpromotion title? It's very confusing. But either way, I think this is going to be a workhorse title. And I'm excited to see where this goes. And the people that are in this tournament, no no problems with anybody in the tournament. And I think... yeah. At Forbidden Door with the Fatal 4-Way deciding the first champion, we know Pac is going to be in there. I think Malachi Black will be in there. Miro, I think, will be Ethan Page. And then you have the New Japan guys who, I don't know who they're going to be. I don't think it's announced yet, but you're not going to go wrong. It's going to be a great match at Forbidden Door regardless. 
Yeah, I, I do agree. I think that the belt looks amazing. Um, you know, to just kind of toss a random tournament. It's not that I don't, I dislike the idea of a tournament to, to introduce a belt and then have the tournament start that night. Cause I don't think this was announced until last night, right? This just kind of no. came from out of nowhere. It did. Uh, I wish they would have announced it last week again, because I felt like this was a big show and this could have been another one of those things that would have helped build anticipation for this show, you know, going into it. Like, cause obviously we knew that we were going to get the Moxley match. We knew that we were going to get the battle Royal. Had they said, Oh, by the way, there's going to be this tournament and uh, a new belt or a huge stuff. announcement. Yeah. Well, that, you know that's where a huge announcements for. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I felt like it's cause I was just watching it and it just came from out of nowhere. I was like, okay, that's cool. And it's like, oh yeah. And by the way, it's starting now. And it's like, okay, sure. What? Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't like the name just because it's, it's confusing to put up about what it represents. Does this mean it can only be defended along the Atlantic? Does it mean only people that border the Atlantic are from there? It was, it was just very confusing. And I think a lot of people are confused as, is it just AEW? Is it a interpromotional title? Either way, I think it's going to be a fun title to, to go after and be like an IC title or an interpromotional title. It's fun nonetheless. And I think what we saw out of Pack and Buddy, Buddy Matthews was a great match to put it on the right track yeah. that this is going to be something people could actually fight for and, you know, have another set of the rankings. Maybe they have to extend from five to 10 to include this title in there as well. Yeah, no, I agree. This match was really good. And um, yeah, it, interesting to see what direction they go in. I just, I think that this is a good first step because those are, that's a good group of guys there that, you know, haven't been, I wouldn't say overlooked, but certainly put on like the back burner, so to speak. So, Yeah. Totally agree. Now, we do have Forbidden Door coming up, as we mentioned already, and we're starting to see at least storylines being presented and what the card is going to be built out. We know, you know, Moxley's going to be facing either Tanahashi or Goto. We know there's at least something with Will Ospreay as he arrived on AEW Dynamite last night with the United Empire, Aussie Open, attacking FTR and Trent Beretta, who are trying to set a Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship rematch. We also saw Hangman Page after a nice match with David Finley of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He calls out Okada for the IWGP um, Heavyweight Championship. Adam Cole on commentary is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okada might not be the champion by Forbidden Door because this Sunday's Dominion and Jay White could beat Okada as he's done in the past. Yep. Also, Adam Cole is saying, listen, Hangman, you have no right to challenge for somebody because you lost. I won my last match. You know winning that tournament and beating the best in AEWS to offer, I should go after Okada. So I just like the fact that there's actually storylines being built out for this pay-per-view instead of just going, here's Punk versus Tanahashi dream match. Here's Okada versus Hangman uh, dream match. Here's Will Ospreay. Here's Hiroki Goto. Here's Tomohiro Ishii. Here's yep. Minoru Suzuki. They're actually building stuff to get even the whatever casual fans AEW has to be invested in this show, because we have to admit not everybody watches new Japan. Yeah. And I actually, that's one of the things I was going to mention. Cause I feel like, yeah, new Japan definitely has those, those larger star names that even some of the more casual fans, even if you don't watch new Japan on the regular basis, you're going to know them. You're Jay white's because he's been an impact. Okada's because of the matches that he's had with Kenny. Um, 
Any Tanahashi. Will Ospreay, like guys like that. Yeah, guys like that, you're going to know them. Now, when Will Ospreay brought his faction out, this is a situation where, especially in AEW, because they do these video packages so well, again, building up the anticipation for this. It's great to have the surprise of Will Ospreay, but at the same time, had they done a video package introducing not Will Ospreay, because we know who he is, but his faction to the casual fan, mm-hmm. because once his faction jumped in there, I, I didn't, I mean, the crowd, they didn't really react. They reacted for Will Ospreay, but you didn't really get that reaction because I don't think everybody knew who those people were. Um, and I think that going into Forbidden Door, you should have a good understanding. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have to feel like you're on the outside, even if you're a diehard wrestling fan, like being like, who the hell is this? And you're going to mm-hmm. get the wrestling purists and the aficionados are going to be like, well, of course, you know, that's the empire. You're supposed to know who they are. Not everybody has that much time to invest in watching pro wrestling. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, you know, and not everybody chooses to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. They know the bigger name guys just for the sake of knowing who they are, but it doesn't mean you have to know the full roster. Um, so I think that they could have definitely done something to make that a little bit better. Um, but at the very least, it's very cool to see Will Ospreay on AEW. So that's, that's a good thing. I'm going to do a little experiment with this review of AEW Dynamite on YouTube. If this video gets at least 100 likes before Sunday, I'm going to review New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion just to see if there's enough interest in New Japan Pro Wrestling within our subset of fans because our fan base is primarily AEW, you know, I won't say loyalists, but at least fans of Dynamite and Rampage. And if you, you know, if there's interest in Forbidden Door, you obviously need to have uh, interest in Dominion, which has a lot of play into what happens at Forbidden Door. So, you know, like this video if you want to see me do a review of Dominion and go from there. But, you know, we already talked about Wardlow and his explanation of the AEW World Championship. He has his eyes set on the TNT Championship. Scorpio Sky looks like he wants to answer this, but instead he is stopped by. Uh, Dan Lambert, who is like, no, 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 no. And obviously that match is going to get settled. What we have after that, Smart Mark Sterling with a group of security guards saying, if you don't want to take the class action lawsuit to court, we're going to have a 20 versus one elimination match. We touched on this a little bit, Ralph, but what are your thoughts on this 20 versus one match next week against Wardlow? Uh, I don't really have many thoughts. I think Wardlow's going to win. I think he's going to look dominant. I think they're still trying to run with whatever worked going into the feud with MJF. And I think that everything he's done since after the pay-per-view has been a step backwards. See, I don't think it's been a step backwards. I, I think because... So he beats you know, MJF dominantly. Right. Yeah. What has he done to help build his credibility in the eyes of the fan? Well, Other than nothing. He hasn't done anything to lose the credibility. He goes out there, power bombs, crowd goes nuts, no, no, no. and that's no, it. No, 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 because with pro wrestling, perception is just as important as wins and losses and who you're beating and who you're losing against. Wardlow was not, out there. He, Wardlow's out there. Out there do, he's out there with guys that aren't pro wrestlers, or at the very least, they're trained, whatever, trained to go out there and take bumps. We saw that for what? five, six weeks leading into the MJF feud. He goes out there, he beats MJF, and now he's doing the very same thing that he was forced to do because he wasn't an AEW talent. Put him in matches. You got enough talent there. You got enough people that he could actually face if he's the top-ranked guy. 
I don't need to see Wardlow feuding with Smart Mark. I need to see Wardlow feuding with Darby Allens, Ethan Pages, uh, higher ranked guys. Uh, give me. Give, I, I don't. Well, even he's eventually care. he's eventually going to have a match with Scorpio Sky and probably dethrone him as the TNT champion, as he should. But for and, this, for, and does, wouldn't it showcase him as a dominant force? If he beats 20 guys in an elimination match, he eliminates 20 guys, and he's probably going to do so in like less than 10 minutes with power bombs because fans just want to see him power bomb people. But you're you're missing my point. We've seen that already. I've seen seen it a million times. We're past How many times it. have we seen Goldberg spear people and give them jackhammers and still Goldberg, people go as, nuts for him? As Goldberg started to win, those those spears and, and jackhammers came at the expense of higher-ranked guys. Hulk Hogan's are macho man's the giant though people like people of that caliber because they knew shit we got something with this guy let's move him up and i'm not saying they need to hot shot him to a title um it seems like they're gonna do that anyway but look we saw this already we saw the whole build with his feud with mjf for four or five six weeks i don't need to see him wrestling security guards i want to see what wardlow's made of if he can hang with the big dogs if he could beat some of the top guys if he is that good Go out there and let him do that. Let him beat some of the top-ranked guys. If he's, if he's just going to be used as like a guy that's going to go out there and be like a, a sideshow attraction and just powerbomb people week in and week out, going to get old really quick. Going to get stale. And for me, after beating MJF, I think that's his point where he should have moved past let me wrestle a bunch of no-name security guards and feud with Smart Mark. I think he's better than that. I, I agree he's better than that, but at the same time, you're... If the fans are okay with just seeing him powerbomb people and they're going to go nuts for it anyway, a couple weeks of that is not that big of an issue. But, you know, I think we're just going to go round and round and round debating that. But let's move on. We have Thunder Rosa finally appearing on AEW Dynamite for more than a minute and a half. She ends up having a match with Marina Shafir for the AEW Women's Championship. Marina Shafir answers an open challenge backstage prior to the show. That's how we have this match. Marina Shafir somehow is ranked fifth. She's eight and one heading into this show. I think eight of those wins were on AEW. Actually, no, sorry. Seven were on AEW Dark or Elevation. The eighth being on TV where she beat, I think it was Sky Blue in like four minutes or whatever prior to her loss against Jade Cargill. Decent match. Thunder Rosa does win. Um, but afterwards, Marina Shafir attacks Thunder Rosa. Tony Storm comes in for the save. Holds the belt up, obviously planting the seed for Thunder Rosa's next big match, which will be against uh, Tony Storm. This would have been great if Tony Storm actually won the Owen Hart tournament and actually, or at least made it to the finals because she gets eliminated in the semis by Britt Baker. And now she's challenging for the AEW Women's Championship or heading towards that direction. So I think that's a little bit of backwards booking on Tony's part, but at least Thunder Rose is going to be on TV. I don't mind the open challenge thing. If that continues and Tony storm being another person to build into the women's division, also not a problem there either. Yeah. Yeah. Match was okay. Uh, not really going to crap on the match. I thought the match was all right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Thunder Rosa again, she's the women's champion. Hasn't really been a a focal point of dynamite, um, or AEW in, in general, unfortunately. Uh, this will be a good feud for both of them. You know, even if you don't, even if you want to disagree with how they're getting to it, it's at least two of the top women in AEW feuding against each other. So hopefully they give us something that we can get invested in. So remains totally to be agree. seen. Right. 
And now we have the main event. John Moxley does beat Kyle O'Reilly for that spot at the AEW Interim Championship against Kyle O'Reilly here. Uh, the match was good. We did get, a, once again, another flub by Jim Ross calling Brian Danielson Daniel Bryan, but William Regal has a nice rebuttal with that, saying he came up with the name, so he doesn't mind. Uh, these guys beat the hell out of each other. I thought it was a good match, but again, as we pointed out in the beginning, did you really have any inclination that Kyle O'Reilly was going to beat Moxley? I mean, it's ever since Moxley was put in the position that he's been in, you know he's going to win the title. Even if you have like Tanahashi or Goto at Forbidden Door, like, you, are you going to have Tanahashi beat Moxley to be the interim AEW world champion? It's I tell you what, I, but I, I believe that, I believe that happening more so than I thought Kyle O'Reilly was going to beat Moxley last night. I mean, I Kyle, O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly, like, you know, going back to when he was in NXT, he was a guy that was like the second in command to like uh, Adam Cole and eventually mm -hmm. they feuded and then he, he came out, came out on top in that. Um, but AEW has not really made him feel like a, a, like he was a threat at that level. Certainly not at Moxley's level. Again, I would have believed it more if it was Wheeler Yuta. I really would. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this was foregone conclusion that Moxley was going to win. I, I think the, the backstage interview that they had with Regal and O'Reilly was really good. That helped set this up to yeah. where maybe O'Reilly could just fight it out and prove us all wrong. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we know it's Moxley. You're not having yeah. Kyle O'Reilly main event AEW Forbidden Door. No, you no know? way. Right. But next week is going to be interesting because we have a ladder match for the tag team championships. Christian running his mouth yet again, putting Jurassic Express in a triple threat. So it's going to be Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks versus the Hardys. And I think this is the fourth ladder match on AEW television this year alone. It's going to be a fun match. So I'm not really complaining too much, but I think this is where you finally see the turn of Christian and Jungle Boy because even Jungle Boy's facial expressions again, like, dude, what are you doing? Stop yeah. putting us in these situations. Absolutely. The other thing on the back of my mind is Jeff Hardy, man. He looked in rough shape at the pay-per-view. I can't imagine what he's going to be walking into. I, hopefully he doesn't do anything too crazy. Hopefully he doesn't get himself hurt seriously. Um, you know Jeff. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go balls to the wall here. And... um. I don't know what direction they're going to go with this. I think the Bucks might end up winning the championships. Uh, I don't know. I wish the Buck. Here, here's what they're going to do. They're going to have the Bucks win the titles. Hardys and, and Bucks will have a tag team match for the titles. And then once the Bucks beat the Hardys, we get a rematch with FTR because they're still the number one ranked tag team. And they probably, probably won't lose that spot unless Tony Khan decides, Hey, we're going to throw someone else up at number one for no random reason. Yep. So, but it should be fun. Let us know in the comments who you think is going to win that ladder match, the young bucks, the Hardys, or Jurassic express, you know, win a yet another triple threat match in the comments below. We'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle psychobabble. babble.